I'd like to uh, introduce to you guys our missions pastor, someone that you've heard from before. Uh, ben Mercer is about to go on a well-deserved uh, sabbatical. So um, if you want to see Ben uh, and talk to him, you got about two weeks. <laughs> and after that, less than two weeks, actually, right? So he goes September uh, 1st. He goes on sabbatical. He'll be gone for four months. He's taken off going to South America and doing some mission stuff down there and uh, doing things with his lovely wife, Tina, uh, mission stuff all over the place. And uh, he's got some assignments he's going to be completing. So anyway, just want you to know that uh, we're fortunate to have him here at least uh, for a little bit before he takes off. And so we want to make sure that he got to do his uh, rant and redemption before he took off. So if you would please kindly give your attention to the one and the only, the inimitable Ben Mercer. Thanks, Mike. The last time I had to present something was in Scotland, which is actually really nice because I talk fast whenever I present and they talk fast in Glasgow so it made a whole made it really easy for them to understand me so I'll try to slow it down because I want you guys to understand me because this is important <clears throat> so let's pray God thanks for for your love thanks for desiring to be in relationship with us thanks for for being God I pray that you would speak through me that you would let your words be be heard and not my own. I pray that, that, that our hearts and our ears and our minds would be open to what you have for us tonight. And I pray that you would be ultimately glorified and that your will would ultimately be done. I pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Scum doesn't pray. We have three different opportunities on a Sunday night to pray, and very little of them are taken, are participated in. We have a prayer box back at the scoop that you can write your request on and drop it in. And on a good week, we have four or five that we're praying for. On Sunday, on Sunday nights after, during the last worship set, we have the prayer cave where you can go and get prayer. And there's usually about just a few people that show up for that. <clears throat> On at, at between five and six, we pray upstairs about anything and everything. And we are we tonight we had six people, and we're a church of 150 to 200. We don't pray as much as we should. I think there's a lot of reasons why we we don't pray, but I think that it boils down to the fact that at some point we prayed. And we asked God for something, and it didn't seem like he answered us. It didn't seem like he heard us. It seems like God doesn't care. It's kind of funny because there's, there's a story in, the, story in the Bible about this. There's a man named Lazarus who lived with his sisters Mary and Martha in the town of Bethany. And, and they were good friends of Jesus. At the time, Lazarus gets sick, and... Jesus is away, and so Mary and Martha send word to Jesus, which at that time would be the same thing as praying. They send word to Jesus, and they ask him to, to come and heal their brother. 
And Jesus doesn't respond. Jesus says, Jesus says that, that this illness is for the glory of God so that God's Son might be glorified. And he waits. And then word comes that Lazarus has died. And he turns to his disciples and he says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you can believe. Jesus sounds like a jerk. Mary and Martha are justifiably angry. <clears throat> the disciples are confused. It doesn't make sense. God, Jesus loved this man. He was one of his closest friends, and yet, and yet he didn't do anything. He didn't heal him like they wanted him to. He didn't. He didn't. He had. Been, he had been able to. Jesus had healed people from a distance in the past, and yet he didn't even show up. And this was somebody that he cared about. What? What was Jesus thinking? What was he doing? It doesn't make sense. Mary and Martha are distraught. The disciples are confused. How many times do I end up in the same situation? In 2003, I was living here in Denver, working for an inner city ministry. And, and it felt like God was calling me to leave Denver and move back to Wichita, Kansas, which is where I grew up. It was also a place where I had felt like I had so often felt spiritually dead. It didn't make sense for God to, God to call me back to this place where I felt no connection to him. When I had good, strong Christian community here in Denver, where I was serving street youth for his sake, I didn't understand it, and I begged God to allow me to stay in Denver, to, con to allow me to continue ministering, to allow me to stay in community. But he didn't answer. Every sermon, every conversation I had seemed to be just a reminder that he was calling me to Wichita. And so eventually, I submitted and I went. And it was hard. I was living with my parents. I was looking for a job, and when I finally found a job, it wasn't the job that I wanted. I tried to connect with people, and I felt like no one really understood, understood me. I felt useless, and I felt alone. I felt like God didn't care, that he didn't hear. I think that so many of us have felt that exact same thing. And I think that, that it's in times like that with, that we start listening to the lies that Satan tells about how God didn't answer our prayer because we weren't spiritual enough or we, weren't, we didn't have enough faith. But, but all of these lies are based around a misunderstanding of what prayer is. I think that prayer is two things. Prayer is communication with God, is relationship with God. I, if, you, if you had a friend who was... <laughs> Coming up and, and the only time that they would talk to you was when you, they wanted something from you. you would, they wouldn't be your friend for long. I don't even know if I would call them a friend. I'd think incredibly needy, um, mooch. But they wouldn't really be your friend. <clears throat> and then you look at the, the, the major prayers in the Bible. You have David on one hand who... One one instant in one psalm he's in the depths of despair, and the next he's he's super angry, calling for God to smite all his enemies. And then in the the one following that, he's overwhelmed with joy, and he's practically dancing before God. You have Abraham and you have Moses who argued with God. You have Jacob who wrestled with God. 
And then you have Jesus, whose conversations with God sound like a kid talking to his dad. Prayer is about relationship with God. It's about sharing life with God. It's about sharing our hopes and our dreams. It's about sharing our doubts and our fears. It's about talking to him when we're sad, talking to him when we're happy, talking to him about anything and everything. In the midst of this, the second aspect comes into play, and that is submission to God. We have to acknowledge that God is God and that we are not. God is the creator of the universe. He he created everything. I'm a writer. I create characters and I create settings. I'm blown away by people like like J.R.R. Tolkien, who creates an entire world system with its own languages and its own histories. But all of that's on paper. God, God created things with form and with substance, things that we can touch and feel. Humans are pretty amazing creatures. We've created artificial intelligence. We've cloned sheep, and yet God created humans from dust. He is so much more powerful, so much more so wise, so much more compassionate than we will ever be. And we need to acknowledge that. We need to submit to that and allow him to be God. I think that one of the places that this is most beautifully exemplified is in, in the passage in Matthew where Jesus teaches us about prayer, teaches his disciples how to pray. Let's look at it together. It starts off with our Father in heaven. This, this little phrase has packs a lot. Our Father speaks of the loving, intimate, deep relationship that he desires with all of us. It, it speaks to the fact that, that he, he loves us and longs to protect us like a good parent taking care of his children. He longs to provide for us, to love us well. It also speaks to the fact that in this relationship, he is the authority and we need to submit to, this, to his authority. In heaven speaks to the fact that, that God transcends time and space, that he is outside of, of this world and that he can see and understand things that we cannot. May your kingdom come soon. Oh, sorry, may your name be kept holy. Holy means pure, sacred, set apart. The fact that we want his name to be kept that way speaks to our love and, and respect for him, that we want our actions and our words and the actions and words of the entire Christian, faith, Christian body of Christ to be representative of his character and of his holiness. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This speaks of the fact this, that we need to submit our, our lives, our wills, and our world to God. That we believe that his way is the best way. And that we are willing to, to lay down our own desires and hopes for his kingdom to be here on earth. And not only that, that we will be the ambassadors and the, the vessels for that kingdom as we, as we interact with other people, as we interact with the world around us. A piece of this that really that is really exciting to me is the is when I start thinking about what God's kingdom on earth looked like in the person of Jesus. When Jesus was on earth, we saw such things as healings. We saw such things as 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 
demons cast out, as dead people raised, as, as miracles performed. I think back to when I was in Scotland this last summer. There was a, one of the volunteers at Glasgow City Mission where we were serving called me over to pray with another volunteer that for her leg. She was, her leg, she was limping because of the pain, and so he was praying for healing. I held her feet in, her, in my hands, and I watched as her left leg grew to the same length as her right leg. If I, I couldn't believe it, and if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, I wouldn't have believed it. But I did. It was a miracle. These kind of things are what God wants us to be praying for. These huge things, these miraculous things are the things that God wants us to be praying for. Give us today the food that we need. God wants us to pray for the little things as well. It's not just things like healings, but it's about our daily bread. It's about the little minuscule, trivial things that we think God doesn't care about. He does. He wants to be that intimately involved in our lives. It's also about understanding that God is ultimately the provider and to be grateful for him for everything that he gives us. I think back to my time when I was working with street youth, there was certain ones of them that, that were Christians. And for every pair of socks that they were given, for every left thing of leftovers that, that somebody gave them, they were inc so incredibly grateful. And they were so thankful to God because they understood that he was the ultimate provider of everything that they received. Forgive us our sins. We, as humans, sin. And it breaks the relationship that we have with God. Our selfishness, our pride, our arrogance gets in the way of, of our connection with God. And we need to confess that. We need to repent of that. And we need to, to understand that, that we can't really do anything to repair that relationship. That God is the only one who can do that. And so we need to go to him and ask for his forgiveness for the sins that we commit against him and against others. But as we have forgiven those who sin against us, this speaks again of the kingdom come to earth. This is about how not only do we want to be forgiven and loved by God, we want that love to flow through us. We want to be vessels of that love to everyone that we encounter. We want, we want to, to bring God's kingdom to earth through loving and caring for everyone. This ties into what Adam talked about last, last week about giving up our rights, about loving our enemies. How much more will the kingdom be brought will be shown here on earth when we forgive those who, who treat us unfairly. When we love those who, who treat us poorly. That is what God wants from us. That is one way that we can love God. <clears throat> and don't let us yield to temptation. We are broken people. We are so easily swayed, so easily distracted from the path that God has for us. We need his power and strength to be able to, to guide us and to lead us in this, to stand against our own failings and our own places where we are tempted. But rescue us from the evil one. This reminds me when I was of when I was a kid, there was this dog at the, at the house on the end of the block, this huge, massive black dog that was bark all the time and was super mean. And he scared, he scared me 
Very much. And, and there was one day when, when we, when I was riding my bike around, around our neighborhood and the dog got out and he started chasing me down the street. I come by my house and I start yelling for my older brother, Chad, and he runs out there with a wiffle ball bat and bonks him on the head. And the dog goes running. This is what we're, this is what we're doing here with, with God is we're asking him to come out and bonks and whack Satan on the head to get him to leave us alone because we understand that in our own power, we cannot stand against Satan and believing and understanding that God loves us so much that he's willing to, to do everything for us. We're asking him to, to stand, to, to use the, the unlimited power that he has to stand against Satan because compared to God, Satan is nothing. The last phrase is it's debated as to whether it's in the original Greek or not, but I like it because it reminds us that God is the ultimate. It says, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's about God being God and about us allowing, not allowing, but us acknowledging that. So prayer is about relationship with God and it's about submission to God. In the story of Lazarus, we see that in that Jesus is asking Mary and Martha, he's asking the disciples to trust him and trust the love that he has for them, that no matter what his ultimate decision is, that it will be the best, that he will ultimately be glorified. And he is glorified. Lazarus is raised. Mary and Martha's grief turns to joy. The disciples' confusion becomes belief. God is is glorified. In my own story, I end up going back to Wichita. I ended up going back to Wichita and I and it was hard. But in the midst of that, God brought me to a new community, one where I was accepted and I was cared for, one where I eventually led a Bible study and was able to be a, car, a part of caring for them and be and and accepting and loving them. He also provided me with an amazing mentor who taught me so much about who God is and about how to grow my relationship with him. God built a foundation for me in that time in in his relation in my relationship with him that was so, that was so strong and has been unshakable. And then he brought me back here to Scum where I've been able to to not only be a part of what God's doing in the midst of your lives, in the midst of the lives of Denver, in the midst of, but he's taken me to places like Scotland and Lame Deer and has given me opportunities to affect uh, what God is doing, to be a part of what God is doing all over the world. God has been glorified through my submission of his desire for me to go to Wichita. God wants us to pray because he wants to build our faith that he can do he can do amazing things and he can do little things, the things that only we can see. He wants, to, he wants us to pray because he wants to build our trust in him, that he loves us so much that he will do what will be best for the entire world, that he will be ultimately glorified. And he wants us to submit to him. He wants us to understand and to know that that he is the is God and that we are not. 
he wants us to know that he will be that his glory will be will be preserved and will reign even if it doesn't look like we get our prayers answered the way that we want them to be i think the best way to to submit to god is four little words they're up there in the in the prayer that jesus taught his disciples and they're your will be done I think that as much as we need to be praying for the big things and the little things, the letting God know where we are and what we want, I think that ultimately every prayer needs to include those four words, your will be done. And God just and Jesus didn't just teach these things to us. He didn't just tell us these things. He modeled them for us. When he was he was in the garden of Gethsemane before he was betrayed, <clears throat> He, he and his disciples were praying, and he goes away on his own to pray three different times. He prays that, that he wouldn't have to, take, to die on the cross, that he wouldn't have to take on the sins of the world, that he wouldn't have to be separated from God. It, his prayers are so intense that at times, instead of sweat, there's blood that comes out his pores. It's super intense. He, he is begging God for this. And yet, in the end, the son submits to the father. And he prays, not my will, but yours be done. And then he goes to the cross and he dies for our sins so that we can be in right relationship to God. Please pray. Please talk to God. Tell him about everything that's going on. Tell him what you hope. Tell him what you fear. Let him know about the little things. Thank him for your daily bread. Let him pray about healings and miracles. But in the midst of all of your prayers, end them with, thy will be done. And join us as a community. Like I said before, we have a prayer box in the back that you can fill out a request. And, and we will, you will be prayed for. Tonight, during communion, we will have the prayer cave open, and you can get prayer for anything and everything with, with the people that will be back there. Next Sunday and every Sunday, from 5 to 6, upstairs, we will be praying for the needs of Denver, and we would love to have you come. We're going to go to communion after this, <clears throat> because... Because Jesus loves us so much that he was willing to, to give his own life to, to, to make right the relationship that we have for God, with God. Come and dip the, dip the bread in the cup. Remember the body and the blood of Jesus and the life that he gave for us. And I pray that you would that you would submit your own life to him and that as you as you take this in as you come up and participate in this that you would be praying God's will be done thank you let's pray God we thank you for your love for your desire for relationship for, with us we thank you that you are God that you are so much higher than we are, so much more than we could ever be. 
and that you want what will, what's best for the entire world. God, we, we submit ourselves to you. We pray that your will would be done in us and through us and in the world around us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who sacrificed himself for us and rose again so that he could live life with us. Amen.